Hey, Dean. Hey, Wags. What you doing? I'm ready to drink. All right. Lombardi's Legends podcast, we've got a uh, former professional bartender here, Wags. What are you thinking? Uh, I think today we should make a Bernie Blast. And, of course, we're going to be using Leaf Spirits vodka. And uh, then let's just go ahead and get started here, Dave, shall we? So let's do it. First of all, what we're going to do is we're going to put one and a half ounces of OJ in the bottom of an empty glass. So this is like a health drink then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then we're going to just cover that with ice. And then now we're going to move over to the side. And uh, if we could come in here and take a close look, uh, we're going to pour it in uh, ingredients successively in separate mixing glass. We've got our vodka. Your choice of blue Caraco. Blue Caraco. Absolutely. Do they have green and gold Caraco, do you know? Uh, I, I don't think it would be necessary for green and gold. Okay. Um, as much as I love where your head's at, Dane, it's blue. And then we're going to put in some ginger ale. Four and a half ounces of lemonade. All right. And now we're ready to mix. So if you have a mixer, we can just go ahead. This is an old bartender trick. When you're at your tailgate, just pour it back and forth. We've got our main drink glass with the OJ. We're ready to go. I'll tell you what, I'm excited to drink some of this Leap Spirit vodka. Whatever it's in, it's going to be really good. I know that. All right. And finally, we are going to garnish with a lemon twist. Okay. There's the gold portion of our green and gold. I like it. There you go, Dan. Thanks, Mike. Let me have a sip. It's delicious. Smooth. Leap Spirits vodka. Terrific. Thank you, Wags. Absolutely. Cheers. Go back, go! Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Star. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave the wish you good luck. Only thing I will All right. Welcome into Lombardi's Legends podcast. And I already can't talk speechless after that <laughs> ugly eight and nine Packer season. I am joined as always by Dane. I am Wags. And we are here tonight, finally, uh, had to take a, a couple weeks off to get the uh, that final game of the season out of our brains. But we're back here, talk some Packers, look at the season as a whole in review. And uh, then I think we'll get into position group by position group, just uh, assess how these guys performed in each position group and uh, where we might see some changes and who we expect to have back and what steps they can make in the off season to be ready to go for next season. So Dane, how are you doing tonight, man? Wags, how you doing, man? Um, it's uh, it's good to be back for us. Um, it, it was a long couple, you know, week and a half or so uh, post post uh Postseason wrap up. Um, I'm disappointed how the season went. Obviously, we had extremely high expectations um, going into the year, and those expectations weren't met. Um, there's some really good things that I think came out of the season. I think there's some not so good things that came out of the season, and um, this is really uh, an important time, I think, uh, for this Packers football team and for the franchise in general. Um, we're going to find out what this, what direction they want to go. Uh, over the course, and I actually think this offseason could be an indicator of the next five years either way. 
uh, do, do things um, start to come back in the upswing? Do they start to go downhill a little bit for a little while? Uh, it remains to be seen, but this is a critical offseason for a Green Bay Packer team that after three years of uh, disappointing NFC championship losses, uh, then went and, and lost in the first round of the playoffs last season, and then um, this year didn't even make the playoffs at all. So this is a team that over the last course the last three years is certainly on a downward projection. Can they correct that going into next year remains to be seen. But let's talk about some offseason football wags because um, they can do some things uh, to to maybe change the tides a little bit and get back to where we want to get to, which of course is a Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, it's going to be an interesting off season, as it always is uh, around here in Green Bay. Um, and uh, things got kicked off this week with uh, Aaron Rodgers' comments, so maybe we'll get into that a little bit more later when we get into the positional group. Discussion. So not to bury the lead, but uh, we don't want to spend the whole podcast just talking about Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah. uh, Dane, I think for me, just to start with the season in review, you and I are, are certainly never going to be super pessimistic. We, we're always optimistic the Packers are going to do well. And there was a lot of reason coming off um, three straight 13-win seasons, and despite a disappointing loss in the playoffs uh, at home uh, in the divisional round against the 49ers last year. Um, I, I think it seemed like there was a path to quickly rebounding. Uh, there was a lot of reasons also for pessimism. Um, I think a, a lot of fans pointed to losing Devontae Adams, and certainly that proved to be, I think, somewhat of a factor. I, I think that's fair to say. Um, but that being said, I, I was – the biggest fear I had coming into the season, if we go back and look before the season started, before training camp, was it just didn't feel like there was a sense of cohesive urgency or a plan for how to build an identity with this team post-Devante Adams and bringing in a new special teams coordinator and year two of Joe Barry. This, this was supposed to be a team built on, you know, a top, 10, maybe even a top five defense. Mm. And it just didn't feel like that materialized. So maybe we should look at the coaching first. And how would you assess how this coaching staff performed this year? Uh, just looking across the board, probably starting with Coach before. I mean, that's a loaded question, right? Because there's a lot that went into that. But I, I, I think this is the first season for me that I saw maybe a little bit of concern uh, in Matt LaFleur. And that's just me being completely honest, Wags. I, I, I've been a big supporter uh, of Coach LaFleur. And how couldn't we be? Going to those NFC Championship games three years in a row, um, I thought that overall he had had pretty good plans uh, most weeks. He clearly was able to get a lot of um, the most out of some guys that maybe um, – people didn't believe in, especially that first season uh, in Green Bay and had just a remarkable turnaround from the Mike McCarthy, the late Mike McCarthy era. Um, but, you know, after four seasons, um, what we've seen is we've seen some some problems in Matt LaFleur coach teams as well. And that's a lack of urgency at times. Uh, it's a team that isn't great necessarily at being a front running team. Um, they're a team that is better when they're counted against. And that, that can be good at times. But um, you know, in big moments, in big, big games, I think, um, we, we don't necessarily see it, the, um, 
see the um, the urgency or the character or the defining moments from from a, a football team, and and that's frustrating. And is that something that can be corrected? Um, that remains to be seen. But I think overall, this was like a, a C minus year for Matt Lafleur. Uh, I won't say that it was a D or an F because I think a lot of factors went into the the, the loss, and I think that that late season run. Um, we saw some really good things out of this Packers coaching staff and, and, and out of this team. So I can't give them a D or an F. I just, my personal gut doesn't give me that. I'm going to put that um, largely at the player's feet in, in certain situations and a couple key players, I think, um, that maybe just didn't shine in, in important moments. But well, certainly not a stellar campaign for Matt LaFleur. And it's something that, and if he was on the podcast right now, I'm fairly confident he'd be like, yeah, we've got to get a lot better and we need to correct some things. And I don't think that's coach speak. I think he's well aware that it just wasn't good enough this year. And I, I mean, maybe the biggest glaring weakness, I think there were games this year where he was just simply out coached. Um, he was outworked and out coached by, by uh, opposing teams. And, um, that's a frustrating thing to, to um, worry about. He's a younger coach, but he's been in the league long enough that hopefully, you know, he's starting to shake things up. And this is kind of the second half of his career now in Green Bay, Green Bay. And I'm not necessarily saying length of time as a head coach, but Wags, um, you know, the average head coach doesn't last forever. For any team, and it's not how you start; it's how you finish. So, how does he reinvent himself and, and try to stay fresh with this uh, with this team in this kind of next era? And that's going to be something that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I think as a fan, it's easy to get frustrated when you've got a coach that's as even keeled as Coach Lafleur is when you're going through a bunch of losses in a row and having a tough season. Um, on the other hand, mm-hmm. I think if you take a step back, I've got to give him a lot of credit uh, for not getting away from who he is. And, you know, it, because if you ramp up and start lashing out or or outwardly stress and I'm not saying that he wasn't you know affected by the losing but I you know it it says a lot about a leader uh, with how you're able to handle and conduct yourself in those situations so to that standpoint you've got to take the good with the bad Um, he Mm -hmm. does deserve some credit if you're going to give him the good for being able to put the Packers in position um, with the, the the late winning streak I know they didn't have the best competition in a couple of those games, uh, but uh, that was the season was basically over. And there's a lot of situations where teams will fold, and uh, both he and the players deserve a lot of credit for fighting and clawing, and against a lot of odds, getting back into things. Um, now, I I will say when the chips are down, uh, I I think. One of the things that hopefully Coach Ford can learn from is having that sense of urgency. I'm very curious um, what he thinks. I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear what he thinks about, you know, his close friend, Sean McVay, um, getting rid of eight coaches off of his staff uh, yeah. this week. as just recently reported. Um, his brother... Um, uh, Mike LaFleur is no longer off the coordinator for his best friend, uh, in, uh, uh, Sala over in New York for the Jets. And maybe that's deserved based on performance, uh, of that Jets offense. Uh, but that being said, the, there's changes that are being made on staffs of the guys he's closest to in this league. And 
he's been very hesitant to make changes. So that kind of brings me to Coach Barry as defensive coordinator. In some respects, I, I get that it's a almost an annual theme, regardless of who's been the defensive coordinator for the Packers the last 15 years that we need to fire the D.C. Um, but uh, there's there was not a performance this year from the defense that, that played as expected. Sure, they made some adjustments and played a little bit better down the stretch. I understand you lost. Potentially, you could argue their best player in Rashawn Gary, depending on if you're going to say Rashawn Gary or, or Jair Alexander. Um, some of the players underperformed to what was expected. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players did on the defensive wow. side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's that's one of those things where you can say, well, the, the players have to go out there and execute. But when there's more players playing underperforming or not playing up to the level they did in previous years, then there is players playing up to that level or playing better. Um, then it, it, you start to question if you've got the right guy in charge of this uh, defensive uh, unit. And so I'm going to be very curious. It seems like there's not going to be a change. I, I know that, you know, that could still come, but it doesn't look like there's going to be a change yeah. at the defensive coordinator position. Um, so how would you assess both Coach Barry's performance overall uh, and the rest of this defensive coaching staff? Uh, and then that seeming decision to bring him back for year three. Yeah. Um, and, and I want to clarify that, you know, I'm, I'm all aboard the LaFleur train. I think he's a good coach. I think he's somebody that's going to, you know, bounce back. Um, but a decision to keep Joe Barry, I don't think is a great, great call. Um, I know that the Packers defense certainly looked a little bit better as the year wore on, uh, or at times, I guess, so during their, their kind of their win streak there. And it looked like Joe Barry kind of, um, made some massive adjustments, listened to his players a little bit more and, and did some of that. All of that being said, Wags, um, I've seen enough of Joe Barry and I'm frustrated that it took him as long as it did to make the adjustments that he made. I think um, in his heart of hearts, he's a guy who wants to play off the line of scrimmage more um, and felt the heat and felt the pressure and decided to make adjustments based on that. That's not really somebody I want as the defensive coordinator of the Packers. I'm just not high on Joe Barry. I don't think he has very complex um, schemes. He hasn't had success anywhere he's been as a defensive coordinator. I mean, Wags, um, we've seen the most success, we being Packer fans, over the last two years that Joe Barry's ever had as a defensive coordinator. That's as successful as this guy has been in the National Football League as a coordinator. That's not going to cut it. Um, I think that there's a lot of talent on this defense. I'm still confident there's a lot of talent on this defense. And um, that this is where the, the coaching concerns start to to really creep in uh, is the oversight over Joe Barry and if he should be the, the, the defensive coordinator. Um, I'm not all that sure who's available, but I'm seeing some names bouncing around um, as guys that have won a lot more um, and sometimes with a lot less than what Joe Barry just had last season. And I just, I, I'll, I'll just put my name on it. I'm not a fan that Joe Barry is likely coming back and I'd like to see the Packers make a change there. And I do think that this could be a downfall for Matt LaFleur if he's not comfortable enough to make the switch. I know it's not a great look to go through Petten and then go to Joe Barry and then two years later go somewhere else, but I don't care. Um, Joe Barry was not the right hire. And the worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is to double down on that mistake. And I think that that's what the Packers will be doing if they keep Joe Barry in Green Bay. 
Yeah. Um, I, I think, do you think part of it could be to you that coach LaFleur is very reflective of the fact that, you know, he's going to accept responsibility as the head coach when things don't go well, which you can, uh, on the flip side, you can't appreciate that. But at the same time, you know, it could be his downfall. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, he's goes up in front of the media after games and losses, and he's always taking responsibility for, you know, the offense not playing as well as it should, or the defense not doing what it needs to, or special teams. Um, but that can get a little bit, you know, a, a, a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not, you you hear it enough and it doesn't feel like things are changing, then at a certain point, the Bucks got to stop. And so, uh, yeah, I I really like Coach LaFleur as a head coach. Um, I think he's got the right personality. I think he's obviously, he's got a good scheme. Uh, I think he has proven to be very successful. Um, There's still some situational decisions that he makes that are questionable, but you can say that about any coach in the league. I don't care how good you are. So um, it's, it's easy to question some of those decisions in retrospect, but uh, overall, I think he does a really good job. Um, So your question of who's out there, um, I I think it's one of those things where I'm just looking at the collective performance of the, and the talent that Coach Barry had. And at the end of the day, having a defense that's in the low teens to low, uh, uh, I'm sorry, high teens to low 20s in terms of most defensive rankings, um, depending on what you're looking at. Um, Again, one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. Um, You know, a really hard time uh, stopping teams in the red zone. Uh, Not not great on third down. Um, Had some stretches where they were decent in some of those areas, but from a consistency standpoint, we weren't seeing it throughout the season. Uh, one of the, the, one of the uh, more damning things to me is we had a stretch where we really weren't facing all that great of offenses in terms of quarterback and receiver play. And it seemed like we had a hard time with what was supposed to be one of the top few secondary defensive back secondary groups in the league. Um, and so I, I know that that's more positional, but then you alluded to earlier, scheme-wise, is is it the best fit for the, the talent and the players that he has? Right. Um, it seems like he had a hard time game planning to stop teams that really were a little bit, I wouldn't say completely one-dimensional, but, um, you know, didn't necessarily have a lot of weapons or or, or weren't uh, dynamic offensively across the board. Uh, So those are things that are uh, concerning. And, yeah, I guess you can give them a little bit of credit for how the season went along. But to me, this reeks of Coach LaFleur is looking at it and saying, well, how can I make Barry the scapegoat um, they were okay. They weren't as good as they should have been, but we had problems across across the board here. Um, mm-hmm. Versus really assessing it and saying, no, this was a team that we were expecting to have a top ten defense, and they just flat out underperformed. Um, so, yeah. all right, well, let's move forward, Dane. Um, you know, from a just overall performance standpoint, we look at maybe some of the. Uh, players, what, what was the point of this season where you just knew things were not going to 
go the way that we expected this season? Was it pretty early on for you or did you kind of let things play out a little bit? I mean, I know we talked every week, but uh, I'm just kind of thinking back. If you, if you're looking back at with a, you know, full, full 180 degree viewpoint, um, what was the point of the season where you felt like, okay, this is just going to be a, a tough road to be able to to make the push and and be as competitive as we expect to be at the end of the season. That's a good question. I'm actually pulling up um, the schedule right now. I'm I've already kind of blocked um, the season <laughs> a little bit. Um, I say that semi tongue in cheek. Um, you know, I think it's kind of a stretch um, where played um, that's Giants. Uh, Washington Commanders. Uh, obviously, that was a, a pretty tough one, but I think that Giants game, I was extremely nervous after that game. Uh, if I recall right, the Packers kind of collapsed uh, overseas uh, in London in that game. And um, it's just one of those games where you go, uh, this doesn't have the makeup a, a little bit. You know, there, there's some red flags here that started to creep up. So if I'm being completely honest with you and honest with myself, I think it's early in the year. Obviously they gave us all a lot of hope late in the year. And, and I'll admit my error. I was, I, I felt pretty confident they were going to make the playoffs when they kind of got hot at the end um, internally. But um, if I'm being totally honest where I didn't know they had the makeup, the Giants game was the start, but really that Jets game at home, uh, I was at at home at Lambeau Field, I believe. Uh, the Packers were in there like all greens and they just didn't look right uh, in that game either. And kind of those back-to-back losses to those New York teams was a huge dagger um, as far as I'm concerned. I'm curious what, what you saw where you started to think things went sideways. Yeah. Um, well, it would be easy to say uh, to say that it was uh, around that time or maybe mm-hmm. after after we fell. I think it was after the Lions where I really game the first Lions game where I really felt yeah. like eh, this this just isn't this doesn't gonna gonna go well. And but I you know I I think both of us even though we tried to be optimistic, came into the season, if not outwardly being super mm-hmm. concerned about this, this is a team that might be taking a step back. I know I said before the season started, this might be a setback year. I, I, I would have been surprised mm-hmm. if we would have gone out and won 12 or 13 games again this season, just based on the vibes that we were getting and how everything was kind of, going as we headed in train camp. Going back, obviously, uh, Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins still hadn't returned from injury. Um, You know, we had a whole offseason where Aaron Rodgers was very active podcasting, but not very active throwing footballs to his new receivers. Um, It didn't seem like there was a real urgency in the preseason to get some of these new guys out there to play. Um, so I was a little bit concerned about some of the decisions by the coaching staff to just roll with as if we had a really veteran group like we'd had in years past. Um, so that was a concern to me and it bore out. Uh, to be honest with you, even though we started three and one, surprisingly, mm-hmm. uh, after that uh, opening week loss to the Vikings, it just didn't look or feel right to me. Um, and uh, I think that three and one start um, really kind of um, uh, made me 
um, forget about some of those concerns. And, and I think they were probably there the whole time, but uh, yeah, that first lion's lost, it was just like, mm-hmm. okay, this probably isn't going to happen. Of course they've roped us back in uh, at, at the last few weeks. Uh, but that, that was really more just, I think us uh, having the green and gold, uh, uh goggles on glasses on the whole time <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely um so uh but it, it is what it is it's and it's it's one of those things where you look at this team and a few years ago first year of coach lafleur's tenure they were de- probably a 10 win team that won 13 games right and this right. year they were an eight win team that probably should have won uh, 10 or 11 games um uh, and mm-hmm. and so that's that's just the the reality i think of the situation that we were dealt with this year um all right dane i think we should um head into the position group by position group break- breakdown but before we do that why don't we take a yeah. minute to hear from our sponsor DraftKings sportsbook so folks stick around with us here as we get into those positional group breakdowns um but first DraftKings is the NFL playoff act, action leader. Um, it's the official course betting partner of the NFL. And we're one step closer to the Super Bowl 57 and the NFL divisional round. Check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Wags. Plus, all in, uh, new and existing customers can take a shot at even bigger payout with DraftKings Stepped Up Same Game Parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. Um, Wags, there's a bunch of games this weekend, too. Um, you know who I'm going to be keeping an eye on is that Kansas City Chiefs game. Um, look out right there. Um, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has been an absolute beast this year. Very well could be the MVP. Uh, he's going to be slinging that ball all over the field. Uh, the Buffalo Bills as well, they they were in a battle last week. But there's just so many fun games this week um, that, that I think are going to be great to watch just as fans of football and fans of the game. But then also, if you are uh, betting with DraftKings um, Sportsbook and, and, and doing the, the same game parlays, it just makes these games that much more exciting it's a lot more fun to watch um with the packers out you can still have a little bit of skin in the game for sure so download drafting sportsbook app now use code code tppn new customers can bet just five dollars on the nfl divisional round and you get two hundred dollars and free bets instantly um only at DraftKings sportsbook with code tppn minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply see show notes for details all right. So, Dane, I think we buried the lead earlier, so let's just uh, cut to it. Um, we're going to get into yeah. our positional group reviews and breakdowns and then maybe just make some predictions for the offseason. Uh, so let's start with quarterback. Uh, and this was 99.9% Aaron Rodgers, aside from uh, a couple late, late appearances from Jordan Love. Um, most extensive action was in fourth quarter against uh, the Eagles in that uh, game in Philadelphia. But... Um, you know, this clearly was not Aaron's best year. Um, he did have the thumb injury. He had, um, you know, the rib injury. He had a knee injury. So he was, he was battling through injuries. Um, he had new receivers to deal with. Um, so, you know, circumstantially, I, you know, we get it, right? Um, if you're just looking at it from that viewpoint, um, I think when you dig a little bit deeper, my, my question is, 
did Aaron cause some of the own problem, some of his own problems? Uh, he's the way he played, I think is very typical of how he's played in the past. But one of the things about being an effective quarterback is uh, just like as an effective coach, you have to be able to adapt to the circumstances and the players around you. Um, and I'm not so sure that Aaron did a very good job in that respect this year. Um, so uh, there's uh, we could get into lots of reasons why offseason, uh, you know, his conditioning, whatever. There may be things to look at and consider. Um uh, the 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 stat that's kind of stands out to me as I was prepping and thinking about this, um, I was looking at uh, uh, on NFL.com and Next Gen Stats, and it, it measures expected air yards per attempt and um, expected mm-hmm. air yards um, uh, per per throw. And one of the things that was really interesting when I looked at Aaron is he had the second highest differential of anyone in the league uh, at the quarterback position, meaning that he wasn't completing a very high percentage of those passes that he was uh, uh, throwing downfield. So um, it's, it's, there's lots of ways to cherry pick and look at statistics, but that was one of them that really stood out to me in terms of performance. And it adds up to me. Um, he wasn't able to get in sync on his downfield passing pretty much the whole season. Um, so what adjustments were made, I think were made a little bit late, uh, in the season. And it would have really would have been nice. And, and I think it's impossible to assess Aaron's performance for the season without considering mm-hmm. some of the preparation and work that he did or didn't do to put it into the season. Um, he can claim, uh, that that didn't have an impact and preseason doesn't matter, but I I'm here to tell you that it may not have mattered for Aaron Rodgers, but it definitely mattered uh, for the guys that he was throwing to. Um, and unfortunately uh, that was something that put us behind the eight ball uh, too early and too often. Yeah. Um, you said it. Um, I'm extremely disappointed in the Aaron Rodgers performance this year. Um, whether he had a thumb injury, not whatever. Um, I think that there's building blocks to be successful in this league. And part of the building blocks is to, to, you know, be around the young guys and adapt with how the team's adapting. And um, whether they bring in veterans, whether they bring in um, rookies, however they did it, um, and whether folks can agree that it was the right decisions to, to make, the Packers made a, a massive financial commitment to him, um, not only money that's going into his pocket, but also uh, that, that financial commitment um, changes the makeup of this roster and the talent that they can surround uh, a player uh, of Aaron Rodgers' ability with, um, because with the salary cap, there's only, you know, so much to go around. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I think that Rodgers going into this season um, with the will he won't he and some of that, some of it may be warranted, some of it not, but at the end of the day, uh, they were paying him a lot of money to be the face of the franchise and to get it done. And um, dollars to donuts, he just didn't get it done this year. Um, he didn't look um, particularly in sync with a lot of his guys early in the year. Um, he looked extremely frustrated a lot. And I think some of that that um, that frustration, anxiety that we saw on the field from him as the season wore on and things were going south, 
Um, maybe not all of it would have been alleviated Wags up front at the top if he's there uh, for, for um, he was there for mandatory camp, but if he was there for the involuntary stuff, but also if he's working out in the off season and, you know, I, it's not unheard of in this league for quarterbacks to, to get his receivers together uh, and, and go to Florida or California or wherever and, and just run routes and sling the ball for two days and just get after it together um, that uh, aside from the team activities. And that's not something that Aaron's really shown a lot of interest in doing. And in a lot of years that hasn't seemed to matter. But when we have these young guys, it just felt like we were missing that other gear that I think that was necessary to get some of these young guys up to speed earlier that maybe could have helped salvage the season and maybe won a couple more football games. Um, because, you know, as, as tough and mediocre at times that the defense was, um, we have some comments in the chat, John Dorn, uh, John, thanks for, for commenting. You know, you mentioned Packers defense did enough in a lot of games to win to win some football games and the offense just wasn't that consistent. And I couldn't agree more. Um, there just wasn't a lot of pop from this Packers offense and it, it like it or hate it. And whether it's a run first team or whatever team, it's still an Aaron Rodgers led football team. And anybody saying it's not, I think is just mistaken. And he just not did not play up to, to par with what they have invested in Aaron Rodgers for them to be successful. And that's just a reality with the makeup of this roster. Yeah, um, and this might not be completely fair, but Aaron has developed a little bit of a reputation around uh, Packer fans' part the last few seasons in the playoffs of going into kind of playoff Aaron Rodgers mode, uh, it's, which isn't a compliment uh, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been okay at times, but it seems like in the elimination games, he has played really poorly. Uh, for his standards and hasn't put the team on his back and carried them through those games. And so I'm going to ask you the $50 million question then, mm-hmm. Dane. As of today, do you think Aaron Rodgers is back in Green Bay next season? Or is this the biggest and most important offseason position group change that we might see coming? My heart says I'd like to see Aaron back because he's been in Green Bay for 18 years. Um, and he's, you know, he's a living legend in the NFL. He's done so much for this organization. But my head tells me I think it's about done. Um, it seemed I and I thought last year was the logical time to kind of pull the Band-Aid, the Packers. And I believe you did as well. And we talked about it. You know, folks can go back and listen to last offseason where we said it'd be hard, but might be time to move on. The Packers tried to make it work for another year. Um, I think the huge sticking point potentially here, uh, and it's been alluded to by Aaron in an um, in interview this week, is that he'd like to get bring back um, Bakhtiari, he'd like to bring back Mercedes and Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and kind of bring the band back together. And I'm wondering if um, my, and this is a total guess, but I'm wondering, Wags, if during the, these lengthy conversations that he said he's had with Green Bay, that was part of the sticking point. And the Packers were not willing to commit to bringing everybody back uh, for another year when they underperformed offensively as a unit. Uh, It seems like that might be a misstep. And if that's a huge sticking point for Rodgers, that he gets to kind of have his core guys back with him. I'm not sure if the Packers are going to lean into that or if they're going to flinch and maybe decide to to move on and kind of have a youth movement afoot on the offensive side of football. So my heart says I'd like to see Aaron back. My head says that um, 39-year-old professional athletes that have a dip in their production tend to not have a massive bounce back year and they're going into their 40th 
year uh, on this planet. So I'm my head's telling me I think Jordan Love's going to be the the starting quarterback of the, the Packers. Um, I think Jordan Love looked good enough last year uh, in very limited um, looks, but I think the Packers know really well behind the scenes that they think he can be the guy to maybe be the starting quarterback of the Packers this year. So I, I'm going to be bold in my prediction. Um, but I don't think Aaron's going to come back to Green Bay this year. I don't think the, the Packers are going to bend uh, as much as they already they already have in so many different ways. And I think that Jordan Love is going to be the quarterback and the Packers are going to move on and kind of clean slate a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, you know, the frustrating thing is we still really don't know what we have in Jordan Love. Um, reports are that he made some strides this year, but realistically, we still don't know. Um, no, don't. Does that translate over a 17-game season? We don't know if he can play a 17-game season, stay no. healthy. Um, so, and and he's going to be, you know, ready to get a new contract after next year. So it, it's not a really good position to be in because we can move on from Aaron, but there's not a lot of other pathways, even if we do that, to be able to improve this roster around Jordan Love at quarterback because you're stuck with that dead money. Um, one thing I guess you do expect to get in return is some high draft capital. Um, so there is that, but you're not going to gain financial flexibility from moving on from Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm looking at, uh, you know, the salary cap situation. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that we can restructure and save yeah. substantial money. Now, restructuring doesn't you know, you're kind of kicking the can forward a little bit. Aaron Rodgers isn't one of them because they guaranteed so much of his money. Uh, they can restructure his contract and they would save him $37,000, right. <laughs> which is nothing. So there's not even any point. So it's like he, they, I, I, in a way, um, Aaron had a lot of leverage last off season, but yeah, you're right. We were both saying, um, you know, as much as, as painful as it would have been, at the time, it seemed like the logical move to make. And now in retrospect, I think we and a lot of other Packer fans that were saying the same thing at the time, it's easy to say, yeah, in retrospect, but we could have gone through the season that we just had it with Jordan Love. And I don't know if we would have won eight games. I don't know if we would have won 10 games. I don't know if we would have won five games with Jordan right. Love. Uh, that's not the point. At the end of the day, this wasn't a playoff team, and we would have gotten a year to assess and find out what we had in Jordan Love before making a decision of what to do with him moving forward, before we have to decide whether they're going to pay him or not. Now mm -hmm. we're going to be in a situation where even if we trade Aaron Rodgers, um, our backs are going to be against the wall, and we're going to have to decide pretty early whether we're going to commit to Jordan Love. Now, granted, you can franchise them. I get there's other avenues mm -hmm. to being able to make prudent decisions, but it's not the best situation when you're playing a first year quarterback and he's in a contract year. Um, mm -hmm. that's not, that's not a good situation to be in as a franchise. All right. So it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I think push comes to shove. There's going to be a move made in this quarterback room. If it's not Aaron Rodgers, I think Jordan Love is probably going to get traded. So yeah. one of these two guys, I don't think is going to be back. I'm, I would go so far to say that I would be very surprised if both of them are back in Green Bay next season. Um, and so uh, the, then the question is, which buttons does this runoffs want to push? And um, what which chips do they want to push into the middle uh, to try to get capital back in return? Um, are they going to try to roll this forward? And, and do they think that this is a team that 
they can build into a Super Bowl contending team in the next year or two with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, or is it time to move on? Um, so yeah, the fifty million dollar question, and so Dane, I, I it, it well, seems like you have some more thoughts to weigh in on that, but um, I, I think definitely a move is going to be made in this position group for sure. Well, yeah, and and at the end of the day, we as Packer fans, which at the core is who you and I are, um, and and so many of our listeners are just adore this team, um, win or lose. The question I asked myself, and I thought about this the, over the last week, is do I, in my heart of hearts, believe that this Packers team can win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers? Um, with all the, we're, we're not doing this in a vacuum. We're doing this with all of the, the background noise. We're doing this with a, you know, it's not about the past. It's about the future with Aaron. And I keep coming back to the answer that this doesn't feel like a very healthy relationship. Um, the, the quarterback uh, and team relationship, it's just not healthy. Have they been able to have some success over the last few years? Absolutely. Have they been able to work some things out? Absolutely. But at its core, it feels like a dysfunctional relationship. And it feels like it's Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And what I'm looking to get back to is the Green Bay Packers. I'm looking for a team approach. And it feels like right now there's a lot of extra just stuff hanging over this Packers head. And I think some of it's on Aaron. I think some of it's on on the, the front office and the Green Bay Packers organization. Um, and as in a lot of toxic relationships that maybe go south, um, it's not on one person. It's it's just on kind of overall and through attrition, things just start to wear down. I feel like that's where this Packers team is uh, with Aaron at this point. And, and I hate to say it because I love Rodgers, but I just think it's it feels like it's the right time to move on. And, and it feels like, I mean, if not now, then what? We we maybe hang on to Aaron for another year. Jordan Love goes somewhere else. Maybe successful, maybe isn't. But we've just inflicted a lot more. I, I just think it's time. I think it's time to do it. Pull the Band-Aid off. If not now, when? Um, let's go see what we have in Jordan. If it doesn't work with Jordan, we draft another guy and we just restart over again. But we need, I think, to maybe change the page and go into this season with a new approach. Yeah, I agree. I think we're on the same page then. Uh, it doesn't seem quite as painful to say uh, for me, at, at least no. at this point. Um, uh, you know, and I said last off season, just one more thing and then we'll move on. Yeah. Um, the conditions can't really get better than they were to make a run and try to win a Super Bowl in Coach LaFleur's first three seasons with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, they were maybe overachieving in a year early, in year one. I, I get they got trounced by the 49ers in that NFC Championship game. Yeah. Uh, but still, they were right there. Um, the next year, you're at home, NFC Championship game. That's the one that really That's hurts. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but even last year, you're the number one seed at home, you know, everything's lined up in a weak NFC. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, there wasn't a team. The Rams won won the Super Bowl last year. And frankly, I didn't think they were all that great of a team. Uh, mm-hmm. The Packers proved, I think, over the course of the whole regular season that they were a better team than the Rams were. So last season was just as much of a blown opportunity. And you're at home in January playing playoff football games. And you're talking about Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback who had two MVP seasons, but when the chips were down, he just didn't deliver at the level we needed him to. I I mean, I'm just flat out be honest. And so he had three opportunities to 
make that run, get to that Super Bowl, maybe win another uh, Super Bowl championship and bring that home for Green Bay. Um, and it didn't happen. So I, I didn't think with the moves that they made last offseason that we were coming back with a better team this year and so how were the conditions going to be any better than what they had had the two pre two previous season and so that to me was the rationale and logic why i thought it was time to move on we missed our window of opportunity um so let's move on and i think at this point uh that's still the same uh reality so dane let's let's move around we we don't we we probably aren't going to be able to get to every position group but let's just stay on the offensive side of the ball and see how far we get with this um get, let's, let's move over to the um, uh, offensive line yeah. uh this is a group that i think uh was went through some struggles this year uh obviously had some injuries um maybe not even necessarily to the extent that they did last year to be honest with you but um you know, what, what was your overall assessment on this group? I, I think it's, you almost have to look at when the pre moving out and Jenkins back to left guard yeah. and the post moving out and Jenkins back to left guard, because that was two different seasons as far as performance of this offensive line, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that when you can get Bakhtiari Elton Jenkins on the same side of an offensive line, you can do an awful lot of damage in the National Football League. Um, and, and that's, I think Elton Jenkins, we've said it before, I think Elton Jenkins can um, be a really, really good right tackle at the NFL level, but I think he can be an all pro at left guard. And, um, you know, the Packers had enough flexibility. We're able to get him back into that left guard spot coming off of that ACL injury and, and got the left side taken, um, um, Got, got that taken care of. Um, Bakhtiari wags kind of going hand in hand with that. I'm impressed by how dude bounced back. I, I was concerned as we went into this year, was this guy ever going to play again? Was he going to be every week? You know, we never know. But as the season wore on outside of this, this kind of freak appendectomy situation that he had late in the year, he really held up. He was a phenomenal offensive tackle when he was able to be out there. And, um, you know, I thought that he really helped stabilize the offensive line as well. So the left side looked really, really good. And, and Wags, John Running Jr. does not get enough love, uh, I think, from Packer fans. He's been a driving force. He started at left guard. They bumped him over to right guard. He's played really, really good football. Zach Tom, rookie, looked awesome. Wags, that guy's going to be a starting five for the Packers for a long time. I think they found another gem in, in Zach Tom. They asked him to play. Uh, left tackle. They asked him to play across the offensive line, varying degrees, varying times. And he didn't even have time to prep some of these games. He found out, you know, hours before the game that he was going to be a starting offensive lineman for the Packers. Um, and then Yash Nyman, who's going to be a restricted free agent um, in, in a list of free agents that are out there. I think one of the the, the no brainer moves is to uh, tender Yash Nyman and bring him back. Um, he's a guy who I think he's going to compete for a starting right tackle position, but um, good offensive tackles just don't grow on trees in the NFL. And Yash Nyman, whether he's competing, starting or competing to start, he's a guy that you can win with. Um, so they're going to have a kind of a core group there. And then Josh Myers at center position, I think has been a little bit up and down. He can be look really good. He can kind of get blown off the line at times as well. So going into year three, that's actually the position that I'm circling the most is how do the Packers um, move forward? Is Josh Myers 
Myers going to have some serious competition going into camp? Is he the the foregone conclusion to start again? Um, I'm not sure on that front. So um, there's some question marks. Does David Bakhtiari come back with his huge cap number? Um, but overall, I really like how this Packers offensive line grew um, over time. And I think that they found um, uh, as the season progressed where they needed to plug guys in. And I love uh, uh, an offensive line of uh, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, or Zach Tom. Uh, I'm going to put it out there right now at center, uh, John Running Jr. and then Yash Nyman at right tackle. I think that that's a winning five uh, in the National Football League. Yeah, um, and we saw that for a couple of games this season after yeah. uh, David had that appendectomy surgery, and they they did well, and that was kind of a, a part of the turning point. Um, Yash Nyman, I think, had a, a tough couple of games, especially the last game of the season in pass protection, uh, and he was a little dinged up the last yeah, few weeks. Um, I think you know his pass or uh, his run uh, blocking was uh, phenomenal. And he was playing at a really high level at left tackle uh, before Bakhtiari returned. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, you know, we need to understand that what the Packers were asking him to do this season was just so far outside of the norm that I I really think that we need to give Yas some time and a full off season to really settle in uh, on the right side. And as you said, compete for that starting right tackle position. And then I think we'll have a, a much better feel for whether he's able to make that transition and continue to play at a high level and be a quality uh, tackle at right tackle in this league. I think he can. Um, I think he's played a lot of very good football, but that's not as easy of a change uh, as I think most people that are just casually watching football think it may be. Um, uh, and typically I do understand that left tackle is considered the harder position because you're protecting the quarterback's blind side. You may be going against uh, opponents, t- t- opposing teams, number one, uh, pass rusher a lot of times. Uh, but it's, it's a different, you know, it's a different feel. There's different, um, uh, technique in terms of, uh, where your feet are lined up. Um, you know, everything that's in your movement, um, uh, and asking a guy to make that change mid season, um, uh, is, is pretty special that he was able to do that as well as he did. Um, so yeah, I, Dane, I, I think one of the things with Bakhtiari. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing because he's got the huge cap number. And I think the question for the Packers is, um, you know, what are the solutions here? Because they're going to be having a lot of dead cap money if they want to get out from underneath, uh, David's contract. Um, I'm not sure if he has much trade value. Um, I feel like we said last year, um, we thought that if Aaron was back, uh, uh, Devante would be back. It didn't turn out that way, but I almost feel like I'm going to just going to repeat that prediction. But this year is with mm-hmm. David Bakhtiari. If they bring Aaron back, I think David's back. If they move on from Aaron, then even though you're not really saving a lot of money next year, they're saving mm-hmm. a ton of money in future seasons. And if they're not really too convinced with 
David's long-term health viability, it might be better to get out from under that now. And then you've got a whole lot more flexibility two seasons from now. Um, so especially with some of the young guys coming through and that are going to be needing contract extensions, namely potentially Jordan Love in that right. scenario. Rashawn Gary is another guy that'll be up for uh, probably a big extension. So um, and that's something to keep in mind is financial flexibility may not be apparent next season, even if they move on from Aaron and David, uh, but that will help them get out of a lot of dead cap money uh, two seasons from now and, and to, to really be able to reshape the roster in a hurry. That's a really good point. And then all of a sudden you do have the Zach Tom, Yash Nyman potentially on the corners with Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers and John running. And that's your starting five. And then they probably draft and, you know, you go from there, but um, three or four offensive those... linemen, right? Like they always do. Oh, so. Always. Right. And, the, and yep. they'll hopefully find somebody in one of those middle rounds that can help plug in. But to your point, I mean, they already have five, guys without Bakhtiari of course you want to see Bakhtiari play but they invest a lot of money as well in Elton Jenkins and that may be as much of a precursor as anything Wags when they spent the amount of money they spent on Elton Jenkins um, you know I don't know how long Bakhtiari is going to be for this roster certainly maybe this year but going past this year it seems very unlikely but even this offseason I'm not convinced David Bakhtiari is back in Green Bay yeah Yep. Agreed. All right. So Dane, um, what are your thoughts on the wide receiver position? Cause there's, uh, you know, uh, I, I, that's always the, the hot button, yeah. uh, position group for, for most Packer fans. But, um, you know, we had some young guys come in. Uh, we had some veterans that came back and, uh, I think just my initial answer to the question is the veterans just didn't deliver early in the season when we needed them to, um, we have some injuries, certainly, but um, it's it's hard to be, um, I think, too positive about the performance this past season. There are some positives uh, from the past season. I want to be clear. Um, and there's reason to be optimistic moving forward. Uh, but just assessing this past season as a whole, um, I, I think this was certainly an underperforming position group. Um, so what are your thoughts and what are some changes that you expect to see uh, with this position group this offseason as well? Yeah, I mean, I think we started to see a youth movement afoot um, as the season progressed, certainly. But you're right. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, Randall Cobb uh, performed as well as I think um, I could have hoped for um, from from Randall. I thought that he had his moments. He he was able to move the chains in this stage in his career. That's kind of where he's at. Um, Alan Lazard was kind of who I thought he was. Um, he he was he was okay. You know, he's a very good blocker. Um, very very good blocker. He he does all the, the the little things I think extremely well. He's a chain moving wide receiver. But I don't think Alan Lazard's ever going to be that number one wide receiver in the NFL. Um, Sammy Watkins clearly didn't um, perform uh, to to the extent that he was cut as the season progressed. Um, but then we had a bunch of young guys, uh, and and obviously Romeo Dobbs. I think that he certainly had his his rookie moments, but we saw a, a lot of things to be excited about. I think in Romeo Dobbs, Samari Toure, um, at times when he had a chance to be out on the field, I really like. How, how Toure looks out there. I think that he's a guy that we could see a, a bit of a leap from going into year two. And then Wags, Christian Watson's Christian Watson. I mean, he, I thought that he was a huge catalyst 
for why this Packers offense um, started to explode and have some big moments um, when they got hot because Christian Watson added an, a giant dynamic to this offense. So um, I think it is a bit of a mixed bag that the veterans didn't perform to, to the extent we were hoping that they would. Um, but some of these young guys, and particularly Christian Watson, I, I don't know if I could have expected any more from a second round pick to, that was hurt all of camp. To, to then come in and dealt with a ton of injuries throughout the season. But when he was able to get on the field and be healthy, he was a true difference maker for this offense. So um, disappointing in how the season overall went for the wide receiver group. But I think the optimism is through the roof for this uh, this wide receiver group going forward, particularly with um, with um, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, and Samari Torre. I think that they have something in that core young group of three right there. Uh, but I do think that the Packers are going to be looking to add to that receiver room in the offseason as well, whether it's through the draft and probably bringing in a veteran wide receiver as well. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen the last of Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard in Green Bay. Uh, yes, I would agree. Between the two of them, um, I would say Alan maybe it has a slightly better chance of, of coming back um, just because you, the, the, the young guys that you mentioned, when you look at the total investment of this wide receiver group as a whole, you've got to have some experience there, uh, I think. And I, I, sure, Alan probably isn't someone that you'd want to pay as a uh, as an upper tier number two wide receiver. Um, he's a average Number two, maybe a, a above average number three wide receiver in this league, in my opinion. Um, he's going to get some coin though, either way. I mean, he's not going to get paid like a number one there. And I don't, I don't think he expects to, but, um, look at what MVS got last season, uh, from the Chiefs. Uh, and I think that's probably a pretty good comp. Uh, they're different players, but from a productivity standpoint, I think that's probably about what he's going to command. Um, so perhaps the Packers can justify bringing Allen back, um, given that they're not going to be paying many of the other guys on the roster. And I frankly don't expect them to go out there and try to sign a top tier, uh, no. number one wide receiver and free agency. Um, so, um, there's going to be some more changes. Uh, they're going to bring in some young guys again to compete. Uh, but we're really going to be counting on, uh, those three guys, especially that you named to make big year two jumps, regardless of who's at the quarterback position. Uh, but, um, Dane, that leads me to the tight end group. Um, we've got some guys here that, um, I think have been around for a while. We've got some young, we've got some older Mercedes Lewis. Um, is just steady. He's an amazing uh, blocker. So kind of like Alan Lazard is a great blocker as a wide receiver. Mercedes Lewis, uh, you know, he's obviously been a key part of the locker room, uh, veteran presence, still playing at a high level for what the Packers are asking him to do. Um, you know, Tanyan, I think, had some moments uh, that he uh, uh, showed that he could be the player that he was a couple of years ago before he got hurt. Uh, but then there were some stretches where you almost forgot he was out on the field uh, on Sundays. Um, and Josiah DeGuara uh, showed some, again, some, some promise at times. Um, I think the way that they used him, especially again, as a blocker, as an H back, uh, but frankly, as a receiver, uh, as a receiving tight end has not really shown any level of consistent production. Um, so um, I think this is a group that, especially if we turn things over to uh, uh, Jordan Love, uh, is a group that we could really attack and try to upgrade in the off season. Uh, we might lose 
some blocking if we move on from Mercedes Lewis. He's not a high cost veteran guy to return. Um, and, and this isn't me making the case for Aaron Rodgers, bring back the, you know, all the veteran guys that he named, mm -hmm. but, um, he is another one of those guys that I could see them bringing him back for that veteran minimum type deal that they've been uh, bringing him back in the last couple of seasons. Um, if Aaron's back, if not, I kind of think that they're just going to move on and try to go young. Um, mm -hmm. But this also could be a position group that maybe they attack in free agency. It's not going to cost as much if you try to get uh, a, a, a more productive pass catching tight end to add to this group uh, with DeGuara. Um, and um, certainly Tunyon's going to be a free agent too, or I think he's a restricted free agent. Yeah. So there's going to be, no, he's, he, I think he's time. unrestricted. I think Tunyon is unrestricted, unrestricted this yeah. year. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Mm -hmm. So there's a decision to be made there. And, you know, as much as I like Robert Tunyon, he just frankly hasn't looked like the same guy that he was uh, since his uh, ACL injury. Um, I, yeah. I, I give him a lot of credit for coming back and, and playing out this whole season. Uh, and again, he had some moments, but um, I'm not sure that uh, he's someone that I would want to make a long-term investment in either. And that's this is probably the hardest group to gauge, I think, because it's not only the production that's on the field from a passing perspective, but also if you look around the league, anybody who even plays, you know, dare I say it on this podcast, fantasy football knows that the tight end group, you know, they just consistently, there aren't that many guys that are are massive, you know, point getters. Uh, and, and I know NFL is very different than fantasy football, but, you know, when we start talking about stats and passing the ball through the air, um, there's there's a handful of guys in this league that are really, really good at, at getting open and making catches. But there's a lot of guys that I think um, kind of mirror the Robert Tunyon production standpoint. So this is where I, I, I do think it's going to be a fascinating thing. I will say Mercedes Lewis is an ultimate pro's pro. Um, I've loved uh, his contribution to this team. I do think his time's probably up in Green Bay. I think that they're going to move on and, and find somebody there. Um, Robert Tunyon is an interesting one for me, Wags, because um, he is probably a fairly inexpensive tight end um, uh, on the open market. Um, but that being said, there, there were some moments last year where the Packers were doing the 11 look with just one tight end and Mercedes Lewis was the tight end in there and not Robert Tunyon. And that might be some writing on the wall that, you know, Robert Tunyon wasn't fully back or that they didn't like the production that they were getting when he was out on the field. So they could look to make a, a maybe a slightly lateral or maybe a slight upgrade at the Robert Tunyon position. Um, I think Josiah DeGuara showed a lot as a blocker, especially out of the backfield as it progressed. And I, I think that he's probably coming back. Tyler Davis was really good on special teams, but I, I would agree. I think that we're going to see some real changes and potentially the, the changes we see are at the top, at the, kind of that Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis position. I don't think that this is a, a position group where the Packers stay stagnant and keep the same four or retain the same four that they have. I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to have DeGuara and and um, Tyler Davis. Tyler Davis might compete um, in camp with some young guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of those guys end up back at least in camp. But um, but Tanya and Mercedes Lewis could be on their way out and looking for different homes uh, in 2023. Yeah, and tight end certainly isn't the reason for the stat I'm about to mention. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of things that go into this, but um, in the red zone, tight ends can be that safety valve and they can open things up 
a lot of times. So, um, so there's scheme, there's play calls, there's execution. Um, you know, there's decisions by the quarterback or that, that are making the throws, but, uh, Tunyon has only scored four touchdowns total in the last two seasons. I know he was injured mm-hmm. the season before this past season. That's a good point. But, but we were 24th in the red zone and we just, you know, we were not productive. You've got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You've got two great running backs. You've got a good offensive line. Um, you know, you could make the case that you can also make upgrades at receiver that could help, uh, in the red zone. But, uh, tight end, I think is, is definitely an area that they need to look at, uh, along with those other things, you know, the play calling scheme, et cetera, uh, down there. But, um, you know, that can solve some problems, uh, if you're able to get some guys that, that can get open in tight spaces, um, and make themselves available, uh, to get some touchdowns. And unfortunately, I don't think, I think, Tunyon, his hands are as good as ever. Yes. Um, you know, he catches everything that you throw to him. Uh, his burst just isn't what it was. Um, and that's where I think down in the red zone, you really feel that because he doesn't have the quickness to be able to separate in tight and small spaces and uh, right off the line of scrimmage uh, that we were seeing when he scored 11 touchdowns three seasons ago. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, Dane, I think Tanya unfortunately will be gone. I don't expect Mercedes Lewis to be back either. Uh, we're expecting some turnover here uh, from Wags' perspective, uh, but um, I think we can go in the draft, and I wouldn't be surprised if we go out, and I'm not saying like a top flight, uh, tight end free agent, but I think we can attack and there should be some options that aren't going to be high cost, um, that may, may, that you can bring in and, and maybe get a different look, uh, to see if you can get a little bit more productivity out of that position group. Yeah. And that's, and it, it could be even that more important if it is Jordan Love. Um, you know, you talk about security, um, young quarterback or in, maybe I should say inexperienced quarterback, um, uh, at the NFL level and Jordan might be looking for that guy that he can just help move the chains once in a while. So it could be a critical position if Jordan's the, the quarterback there. Um, Wags, how about we do running back and wrap up the offense? And then in our next podcast, um, we will do defense and we'll kind of go through that and maybe start to talk free agency as well and just kind of take a look at some of our guys. Does that work for you? Um, that's exactly what I was thinking. So let's do that. And um, when you talk about running back, um, I honestly don't really have m- much negative to say. I think oh, this was one group. one group that we really had some some very high performance and productivity from. Um, you know, certainly Aaron Jones uh, at a yards per carry basis of what he was giving you uh, was incredible. Um, you could make the case that as the season went along, he got a little bit beat up and maybe that was a good reason not to give him so many carries early. Uh, but if it's going to be inevitable, we've got AJ Dillon there for a reason. Um, so my biggest complaint is that we didn't give Aaron Jones the rock, uh, enough early in the season when we had uh, a bunch of new guys that we were trying to work into this offense. Um, so that is, uh, is still a befuddling, uh, way that they handled that, uh, from a, uh, a, a, a game, uh, a game management perspective. But, um, that being said, you know, AJ Dillon, you know, he, I thought really hit his stride, uh, the last five, six games, uh, as he typically does, uh, got some additional work, some additional carries. Um, one thing that I'd like to see from AJ, um, I 
that that as I was looking and preparing, um, and this bore out when I was watching too, um, is he is the second fastest running back in the league this season in terms of time to hit the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. um, which is normally not a bad thing. You like to be able to hit the hole. Um, I th- think what I'd like to see AJ work on a little bit more is his cutback and letting his blocks develop in front of him. Um, it seemed like he made some decisions on some of his runs a little bit too early. Um, whereas Aaron Jones and I, they're two different running backs, two different styles, but um, Aaron Jones, he, he had that wiggle and he could allow some of those blocks to develop and then he hits the hole. And those were, six, seven, eight-yard gains, whereas sometimes AJ was having some of those same looks, and they were more like one to two to three-yard gains. And so I think um, if there's one thing that I'd like to see AJ develop and come back uh, next season, it would be maybe some of his lateral uh, movement and, and his ability to use his vision uh, and to allow some of those plays to develop uh, and then get that head of steam, uh, hit the hole, and, and, and move forward there. So um, so the but that being said, that's kind of a minor quibble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, we're going to see all these guys back. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Patrick Taylor's back as a third running back, considering yeah. his contributions on special teams. Um, none of these guys are due to really be looking at any significant um, uh, investment in in the offseason as well. Um, I do think that uh, Goody has already tipped his hand that they'll be planning to restructure Aaron Jones. Um, but um, uh, you know, I, I would be fine if they've rolled back this group. I'm sure they'll draft uh, a guy, bring in a couple of undrafted free agents for competition right. in camp, um, especially in case of injury. But outside of that, I'd be surprised if there's many changes with this group. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought I, I agree with you on Aaron Jones. I mean, he's kind of the heart of this offense um, in so many ways. He's such a good guy off the field, but such a, a warrior on the field. A.J. Dillon, um, I think we saw some regression in um, catching the ball out of the backfield as well, and I'm sure that that's going to be a massive point of emphasis for A.J. this offseason. Um, and, you know, I think that um, that's the exciting thing about somebody like A.J. Dillon is he's a very, very good running back for this Packers team. I think he fits the city of Green Bay in a lot of ways and kind of the – he can win a lot of ball games, but there's still room for improvement with him. And that's an exciting proposition as far as I'm concerned. So I'm excited to watch AJ continue to grow in Green Bay. And we kind of have that 1A, 1B running back situation, which is phenomenal. And then you said it with Patrick Taylor. Legs, talk about a cool story. He's a dude that bounced on and off from the practice squad to the to the active roster, and they just couldn't quit him. You know, he, he just shows a lot in camp. Uh, showed a lot um, uh, each week on the practice squad. They kept calling him up, and eventually he was able to stick. And late in the year, he was getting some some serious um, important touches in the fourth quarter. He had a good pass block on a couple plays, um, ran the rock in some close games. So um, he's really carved out a role, I think, for himself. He's a guy that just kind of does it all um, reasonably well. He can play first through third down for you. And then, as you alluded to, very, very good on special teams. They re-signed Tyler Goodson, who was on the practice squad um, uh, here to a futures deal. So he's already going to be coming to camp. You're right. They'll probably either draft or sign a couple other undrafted free agents coming in. But I really like this top three, uh, this kind of three-headed monster. You've got the 1A, 1B, but then 
Um, you bookend it with somebody like a Patrick Taylor that can kind of just do it all and does it all well. And there's trust um, uh, from me and I think from the coaching staff that he's going to be able to get you some yardage when you need him and he'll just show up. So it's a good three right now. Um, this is about as deep as I can remember the Packer running backs being in some time. Yeah, uh, Patrick Taylor might be the best um pass blocking running back as well. So yeah. that might be another avenue where he could get a few more snaps uh, if he's able to stick on the roster next season as well. So, um, all right, Dane, I think um, we should start to wrap up here. I, I kind of figured this would happen once we start talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, naturally, that's going to consume a lot of air. <laughs> so, um, you know, we could do episode, not one episode, but episodes plural, just talking mm-hmm. about Aaron for days and days here. But uh, that's not what we're going to do. So, um, all right, we'll be back probably yeah. next week at some next point um, and um, talk a- about the defensive positional groups and, and make some predictions on uh, any changes that we expect to be made to those groups uh, this off season as well. Uh, maybe we'll have, uh, some some news to react to uh, in the meantime uh, before we come back. So um, great discussion, folks. Thanks so much for joining Thank and, you and contributing yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the chat here tonight. Sorry we didn't have much time to get to any observations and questions, but, um, you know, Dane, anything else that you want to touch on before we sign off here for tonight? No, we'll, we'll be full steam ahead this offseason. Um, we're lining up. We are going to have some very, very special guests join us this offseason, which I, I know you regular listeners are used to. We're happy to bring you that content as well. Uh, we'll have some major announcements in the coming days and weeks on that front. And uh, just thanks for your support. It's going to be a uh, fun offseason ahead. Uh, hopefully the Packers are able to build and bounce back. Yeah, for sure. And if you're listening to the audio, um Feel free to join us. We've been doing these live streams on our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter channels, yeah. uh, typically either Monday, Thursday, 730 Central. So um, watch our social media. We'll, we always put out uh, the bat signal uh, when we're going to be going live. So uh, for those of you that joined us live, again, thanks for joining. For those of you that like to listen, if you have a chance, stop in, say hello, engage us in the chat, um, talk some Packers here in the offseason. Um, so that being said, Said, um, time to sign off for tonight. So, as always, be legendary and go pack go. go. Pack go. Every year, I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack. No, I ain't a bad sport, and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will say.